Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Who loves a good story? I love a good story, especially if it's a book. I much prefer books than movies, but movies are pretty good too. I love a good story. Sometimes I actually even like to write good stories. That's happening less and less these days. But we all love a good story and we live in a world full of stories. And stories aren't just in books or movies, but they're also in media, in the news, music, theatre, creative arts, philosophy, education. Stories are everywhere. And the stories that we believe matter. Stories are powerful and they're life-shaping. The stories we believe shape the way that we see ourselves. And this morning, we're beginning a new series called A Better Story. And we've sung it this morning, the belief in our heart. I believe in God the Saviour. I believe in the church. It speaks to the story that we as Christians hold And so this morning as we start uh, this new series, A Better Story, I just want to encourage you to to come along each week and hear the narrative of Scripture and the better story that we're invited into. And join with your life group in doing this journey together. You can uh, head some, there's one down the back and there's some out in the foyer. There's QR codes that you can download uh, the life group booklet and do this journey together. It's going to be a great series as we look at what the world believes and what God says. The better story that we're invited into. The stories we believe shape the way that we see ourselves and they give us our identity. The stories that we're a part of shape the decisions that we make. They determine how we spend our money, what careers we pursue, the people we spend time with and how we manage our priorities. The stories that we believe dictate our behaviour. Stories really matter. And on top of all of that, the story, the narrative that we're living through in the world today is shaping us in ways that we didn't see coming. Our culture is at crisis point. Never before has there been more loneliness or anxiety or depression. Now, there's many dominant stories in our culture that affect the way that we live our lives. And, and this morning, I just want to highlight three of those dominant stories that I think are key uh, to this message today. The first dominant story in our culture is that my identity is defined by what I have. I am what I have. And if we believe that story, then the sole goal of our life is to keep building wealth and possession and influence. Our value goes up and down according to our bank balance, whether it's up or down. And many people live this story as imposters. They start sacrificing good financial management and relationships for the pursuit of happiness 
and looking like they have more than they actually have. The second one is that the most important person in the world is me. My world revolves around me and therefore the way that I live my life is entirely for my own good and my own purposes. And when we believe and we live by that story, we consume life. We consume relationships. We're willing to commit as long as it suits us. We're really loyal as long as it feels good. And lastly, the dominant story of our culture is that my worth is measured by likes, by followers and friends. You know, our life is constantly measured by how we're seen and perceived online. It's become quite dangerous. We live with this social anxiety and competition based on how well we're performing. We've got a generation of young people who have hundreds of followers Hundreds of friends or connections, and yet connected but incredibly lonely. Seen but not actually known. Loneliness has grown to epidemic proportions in our culture. In a culture that's supposedly more connected than ever, more people are dying from loneliness than ever before. Many people give their lives to these stories. But we know that there's another story. There's a better story. And maybe today as we begin this series, you realise that some of the stories that you've come to believe and accept have been built on stories other than the Bible, other than what God says. And maybe today you need to come back to the truth of the stories of God. This book is the greatest, most powerful story ever written. And it has the power to change lives. And as Christians, we've been invited into this different story, a distinct kind of story. It's a great story. It's a wonderful story. It's a story of sacrifice. It's a story of redemption. It's a story that provides great meaning, hope, and purpose. It's a story that changes the way we see ourselves and the priorities that we hold in our lives. And it's a story worth sharing, isn't it? It's a story worth sharing. And today I want to look at the foundations of this story. And to do so, we've got to go back right to the very beginning. Because our foundations give us a sense of meaning to our own stories. See, without foundations to build our stories on, foundations that give life meaning and purpose, we're left to our own devices to invent our own meanings. Mark Sayers says, in the absence of a story or foundation that gives hope or meaning Life has become a never-ending quest for pleasure and experience. Instead of being good, people want to feel good. Foundations matter. Where we come from and what we believe of ourselves can radically transform the way that we do just about every aspect of life. So today we go back to creation, back to Genesis. 
Now, at the time uh, that the early chapters of Genesis were being recorded, there were other cultures and other religions that had their own stories of creation. Some of these were honestly written uh, like Hollywood fantasy. They were epic. But the dominant belief about how everything came to be was that it was a world created out of chaos, There were multiple gods who, through war and violence, created. The earth was created out of some great cosmic struggle and humankind was almost an afterthought. Humankind was actually created to serve the gods. And this belief transformed the way that people lived their life. Life had little purpose or intent. Gods were there to be appeased and manipulated There was no greater reason for life. So doing whatever made life feel good was okay. And with this as the background, if this is the common story of the time, God inspires the Genesis account of creation, which tells a different story. And we're invited into a better story. It's a story that tells us that you were created. You were created. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God created day and night, land and sea. He set the sun and the moon to govern the day and the night, and his hands flung stars into space, plants and animals, living creatures of every kind. One God, who created the heavens and the earth, not out of chaos or by accident, but with intent. One God who authored creation rather than multiple gods who were warring against each other. One God who was intimately interested in his creation rather than many gods who were self-focusing and uncaring. And then God looked at all that he'd created. And what did he say? It was good. It was good. And then, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Hear the intent in this. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living thing that moves on the ground. Then he goes on to tell us that when God had finished creating man, he said it was very good. It was very good. God created mankind to be the image bearer of the creator. And he said it was very good. We are the pinnacle of his creation. Of all the things that God created, people were the best. Made in his image, made to rule over the earth and everything in it. Made to be in relationship with the creator. You were made by a loving creator. 
He chose to create you. You know, much later in the biblical narrative, Paul is is speaking to the Romans in a culture that worshipped many other gods. And at the time, they they worshipped the emperor himself. He was like a god to them as well. And they were unrighteous. They were an unrighteous, sinful people who had rejected the creator and were living a life that was far from him. And Paul says to these people, These people of Rome, these sinful, unrighteous people, he says, for ever since the world was created, this creation story we've just read, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Mankind has no excuse for not knowing God because all of creation points to the eternal power and the divine nature of God. Do you ever find yourself looking at creation and wondering how on earth it is that people can't believe in God, that they don't believe in God? The miracle of creation, the beauty of a sunrise and a sunset, Mountains and rivers that declare his praises through their beauty and their majesty. A beautiful rainbow painted in the sky after a storm is the brushstroke of the creator. And when we look at the intricate details of all his creation, we see the reflection of a God who cares about every detail, who found great joy in every detail, in making all things work together for good and on purpose. I mean, how amazing is his creation? Most of these photos I've taken myself from times I've had in creation, except that one, that's pretty awesome, that one. <laughs> I'm not that clever. You can probably tell the other ones were self-taken. Uh, But creation is amazing and all of creation points to God, his eternal power and his divine nature. And yet so many still miss it. Even today we choose to worship things other than God, money, career, self. The dominant stories in our culture tell us that life is all about me. I am the centre of my own world and therefore all that matters is the pursuit of my own happiness. But there is hope. The Bible invites us to be part of a better story. A story where you have value. A story where your life has purpose. Because we were created by a God who loves us and created us on purpose. You were created on purpose. You have value. You have purpose. Life has meaning and intent. See, the Bible invites us to embrace a story that gives life purpose, meaning, and value. It's a better story than many of the ones chose, other people choose as their foundation. Psalm 139, I love this psalm. And it tells us how intimately God knows and loves each and every one of his creation. Remember right at the beginning when God created mankind, what did he say? It's very good. It's very good. This is how the psalmist writes it. For you created 
my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Often we struggle with that word fearfully, but to try and interpret it a little bit easier, I kind of think of it in terms of God looking on you in awe. When he made you, his eyes were filled with awe and wonder at his creation. And I reckon many of us struggle to believe that, that when God made me, that he was looking at me with awe and wonder. And I know that because I struggled with it for years myself, to accept that I was made with awe and wonder. But he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of us need to declare that over ourselves this morning. Your works are wonderful, God. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. There's intimacy there. There's intent. There's purpose. If you were ever in doubt about how much God loves you, if you're ever questioning whether you really were created on purpose, if you ever wonder if the God of the universe has a place for you, read Psalm 139 over and over again until you can declare those words for yourself. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Because this psalm tells us that before the beginning of time, God had your picture on his wall. Before you were even thought of by your parents, God had a plan for you. It's like a proud dad anticipating the birth of his child, getting excited. He couldn't wait for the day that you would be created. That's my son. That's my daughter. And you were made in his image. You look a little bit like him. You know, when a baby's born, we often look at them and wonder who they look like. Does they look like mum or dad? Sometimes us grandparents get a little bit of a look in. But regardless of who we take after in the physical sense, the Bible tells us that we are created in the image of God. We all look a little bit like him. And we were created on purpose. Each one of us has the unique imprint of the Father in us. None of us are alike, right down to our fingerprints. We know that. And in our uniqueness, we're called to reflect a different part of his nature to the world around us. There's no one in the world that is just like you. And what does God say about you? You are very good. Very good. There was awe in his eyes when he formed you in your mother's womb. He took great delight in making you just the way you are. You were created on purpose. And just like our fingerprints are unique, each of us have a unique purpose that we were created for, that no one else can fulfill. Because you were created on purpose for a purpose. You know, in the narrative, if the narrative of the world is true, then you're just one big cosmic accident that's got no greater purpose. 
And if that's true, then there's also no creator to have a relationship with. But God speaks a different story. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And that primary purpose was that, that you were created for was to be in relationship with the creator. See, God is a spiritual being and we were made in his image. Therefore, we too are spiritual beings made for a spiritual relationship with the creator, with God. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 tells us that God created man with eternity in his heart. The spiritual being in us is created with eternity in our hearts. And without that connection with God, we go looking for something or someone else to fill that spiritual need, to connect with spiritually. But nothing else in all creation was made to have a relationship with God the way that we were. Nothing else in all of creation was designed to satisfy our spiritual longing the way we were designed to be with God. We were created to live in relationship with the creator forever, for eternity. But something went wrong along the way and we'll hear a bit more about that next week. But our hurting, our broken world full of lonely and anxious people needs us to live out the purposes of God that he has uniquely for us so that they too can discover the eternal relationship that they were created for. You know, I often reflect on the words of Mordecai in the book of Esther, uh, where Queen Esther finds herself in a unique position to save the Jewish people. But it was at great risk to her own life because in speaking up, it was against every cultural norm of her time, not just because she was a woman, but unbeknownst to the king, she was also a Jew. And Mordecai says these words to Esther that we have come to know quite well in Esther 4.13. And who knows, but, uh, sorry, and who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. For such a time as this. Now Esther came to recognise that God had created her and positioned her for the unique role that only she could fill to save the Jewish nation. And for such a time as this, you were born with the unique imprint of God on your life. The gifts, the passions, the skill, the positioning on purpose, for a purpose. And God is calling you to reflect the image of him you were created to reflect. Just like your fingerprint, you are a unique reflection of him that no one else can mirror. You know, many of us spend far too many years wondering what our purpose is. When will I discover what I was created for? We're sometimes waiting for the bigger narrative than the one we're living in right now, rather than the mundane of the everyday life that we walk through. But as we live in relationship with our creator, which we were ultimately designed and created to do, we can discover the unfolding narrative that God has for our stories each and every day. 
And I just want to share with you five really simple, quick principles uh, this morning that help us to discover and live out the purposes that God uniquely has for us. They've been part of my own journey for many years because this is my story too. Like daily living out and trying to discover what God's purposes for me are. And you'll hear some of that uh, in this, this narrative. First of all, first simple principle. This might shock you, but ask God in prayer. If you feel purposeless, ask God to give you wisdom and direction. James 1 verse 5 states, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. That's good news. God wants to reveal to you your purpose. He wants to give you his divine wisdom. God's not holding out on you. In fact, he desires for you to have a joyful, ambitious and purposeful life. Ask God for purpose and expect him to give it to you. A few years ago now, I was doing a spiritual retreat uh, one day, and I remember at the time being so overwhelmed in ministry, so overwhelmed um, by all the problems and the brokenness that I saw in the people around me. And as I started to pray, the brokenness overwhelmed me. And I remember crying out to, the, to God at the time saying, God, you've made me highly relational. It's the only thing that I could point to and go, that's my gifting. I'm highly relational. It's not something that I can write on a resume. It's not going to get me very far. I felt overwhelmed and I felt purposeless in the magnitude of the problems that I saw before me. And I couldn't see how I could help and how I could fix things. And God, in that moment, as I cried out to him, spoke to me so lovingly as he often does. He said, Susan, you don't have to fix all the problems. You just have to love people well and point them to me. I'm the one that fixes. Just love them well and point them to me. You know the freedom there is when you discover that true calling, the true calling that God has for our Christian lives. I could do that. It actually wasn't my problem to fix them. It wasn't my job to fix their problems. But I could love them. I could do that. I was highly relational, am highly relational. And I could point them to Jesus. I could point them to the one that could help them on the journey. And in that moment, who God created me to be found purpose and intent in the simplicity of that statement. I felt a new empowering to live out who God made me to be when he knit me together in my mother's womb. Ask God to show you in prayer. Secondly, read God's word. The primary way that God speaks to us is through his word, the Bible. And this means that one of the first things that you should do in your search for, for God's purpose is to start digging into scripture. Now, you're not going to find in here any instructions that tell you to become a dance instructor or a painter or a teacher or a bank manager, but you will begin to understand the heart of God and what he says about you. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Read his word and allow it to speak direction into your life. And thirdly, 
What's in your heart and in your hands? Simple principle. What's in your heart and what's in your hands? God has given you very specific gifts and strengths. Maybe you are a maths whiz, that's not me, or a wise counsellor. Maybe you can, you've got a mind for electronics or business. Maybe you're great at organising people and getting things done. God's purpose for you probably involves the things that you're already good at. Determining your passions and what you're good at often helps you to figure out what God has called you to do. What makes your heart beat a little bit faster or maybe brings you to tears when you hear about it? It's often said that God works in the intersection of our gifts and our passions. Where do your gifts and your passions meet? That may be God's purpose for you. Fourthly, allow others you trust to speak into your life. You know, if you're uncertain or you, you, you have a low self-esteem and can't look at yourself and say, well, this is what I'm good at or this is what I feel God's called me to, ask those around you that you trust what they see in you. Allow them to speak of the God characteristics that they see in you. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11, it's, it's a principle that we should all be living by. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as, in fact, you are doing. We have this family tradition at our, at our house. It's um, become known as the love circle. That sounds a little bit weird, but um, at, it does. It, it is a bit weird when people hear about it. But um, we have this tradition where at somebody's birthday or a special event, we actually go around the circle and we say what we love about that person. Mother's Day is coming up, so Caitlin and Brenton, you better be preparing already. Thank you. Nod from the back. Good son-in-law. It'll be my turn on Mother's Day. We go around the circle and say what we love about that person. Now, when my kids were younger, it was things like, oh, I like the clothes that you wear. I like that I get to borrow your shoes or your hair looks good today or I like the fun holidays that you take us on. But as the kids have gotten older and we reflect on what we love, We start to speak to uh, the characteristic of the God qualities that we see in that person. And what I've seen over the years, or even, even on the day as we go around the circle, the characteristics, there's a common thread to them that starts to emerge, a consistent message. And we speak to the God qualities in each other that we see reflected. We speak value and purpose. My kids are actually really good at it these days. Brings me to tears nearly every time. But it encourages us to keep living out the person that God called us to be. Encourage one another. Find your way of encouraging one another and the things that you see in them as they live out who God has called them to be. And lastly, number five, trust God to lead you. You know, trying to discover your life purpose can be stressful and overwhelming. It can seem big and confusing and frustrating. You want to move forward, but you're not sure how. You want to find your purpose, but you feel like you're wandering aimlessly. You know, I've learnt that I actually don't need to see the bigger picture. Maybe many of you have reached this conclusion way before me. But I just need to learn to say the next yes. What's the next thing that God is putting before me? 
and then the next thing, and then the next thing. And as I faithfully say yes to each next thing, I start to see his purposes unfold and grow before me. I actually think that if I could see the bigger picture from where I'm standing right now, I'd probably want to cement my feet to the floor and not go anywhere because it would be far too scary and overwhelming. Try and tell me five years ago that I'd be standing here as an interim campus pastor. I would have run the other way. But each faithful yes. I'm grateful for his kindness as he leads us just one step at a time into the purposes that he has for each of us to follow. God, what have you got for me today? What's the prayer of your heart? God, what have you got for me today? You know, the stories that we believe really matter. We live in a broken society that's lost sight of its purpose and its intent. But we have a better story to share. It's a story of hope. It's a story of purpose. It's a story of true happiness, lasting happiness and fulfilment. The God that flung stars into space and set the sun and the moon in their orbit lovingly, intimately, knit you together in your mother's womb. You were created on purpose, for a purpose. This is a story worth sharing, isn't it? Amen? It's a story worth sharing to everyone, everywhere. Our culture, our world needs to hear this better story. If you're a follower of Jesus, the power of the gospel lives in you and you're invited to share it. Who can you invite into a better story? Who can you invite? That number's gonna go up on the screen. If you haven't texted that number yet, can I encourage you, do it now. They say that text message in these days is as good as a face-to-face conversation according to uh, young people culture. And what's the worst that could happen? They say no. They don't respond. But what's the best that could happen? You could invite them into a better story. Alpha is an incredible journey through a better story of opening people's eyes to a better story. If you uh, struggle to share your faith, if you struggle to speak the life and hope of this story to others, Alpha is a really simple tool. Pray about who you can invite. Pray. We've all got somebody in our lives that doesn't know a better story, who doesn't yet know Jesus. Pray. Invite them along. And if they say yes, come with them. Come with them. I I guarantee that you will be blessed, not just by doing the journey with your friend, but there's so many truths. I've done Alpha a couple of times now, and every time I've done it, my eyes are open to something new. My heart is filled again with with the, the hope of the story that I belong to. It's an incredible tool. It's an incredible journey. I really encourage you to invite somebody along. 
Now, I really want to spend some time praying this morning. I reckon there's many of us here today that we know the story that we're living out, the story that we're believing right now isn't the story that God intended for us. It's not the story of purpose and intent that I've spoken to this morning. Maybe, maybe you've known Jesus all your life, but you find yourself wandering down a different path, following a different story. Yes, God is true. Yes, God is my saviour, but I'm kind of going this way. Today's the day to step back into the truth of the story of who God is, that you were created on purpose and for a purpose. What rejoicing there is in heaven when we discover that afresh. Now, if that's you this morning, I, just, I really want to ask you to have the courage to stand right now. One of the things that I love about the church community is that we are family. We're all in it together. Nobody is going to be looking at you and judging you. People are going to be looking at you and praying for you, lifting you up, walking alongside you. That's what family is all about and all the struggles that we go through, trusting and relying on each other. Maybe this morning you're struggling to believe that you were created on purpose and for a purpose. If there's anybody here this morning that I can just pray over in this space, I would love for you to stand right now in the middle of our family to stand and we gather around you and pray for you. Is there anybody this morning who just wants to say, that's me? need to start walking a different journey. Thanks. Following a different path. God's plans for you are good. He's inviting you into his story this morning, a better story. A better story than the one that you've been living. To take hold of the fact that you were created on purpose for a purpose. Is there anybody else this morning? Anyone else? Thank you. God's plans for you are good. Come, why don't some people gather around these three this morning? Let's gather around and pray. Maybe as you, you gather around, God might give you a word on your heart for these people. Speak it out. Speak it out. God, this morning we declare that we are indeed your handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which you prepared for us to do. God, we thank you for the truth of your story. The truth that we can stand in this morning 
that we were created on purpose and for a purpose. God, I pray this morning that you would help us to take hold of that in our hearts. God, would you fill us, fill these people, God, with a greater understanding of who they are in you, what you say about them, who you say they are, men and women of God, called on purpose, for a purpose. God, you have a plan for their life. You have a plan that is mapped out so lovingly and so beautifully. God, I pray that you would give them the courage to wake up every morning and ask God, what is it that you have for me today? I want to step into your story, a better story, not the one I've been following, not the one I've believed in my mind, but God, your story that declares that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You have a plan for my life. It takes great courage to follow that plan when the world says otherwise, when when stories in the world speak to a different, a selfish, self-absorbed story, God, to stand against that takes great courage. God, I pray that you would fill them with, with courage to stand strong in who they know, who they declare, who you declare they are, what you say about them and the intent and the purpose that you have for them. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, I pray. And I pray that you would fill them with an incredible joy, incredible joy knowing that they are your children. They are in relationship with you and you have a plan and a purpose for them. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Bless you guys. I want everybody to stand right now and take hold of the Alpha card that you received when you came in this morning. Just take hold of that invitation card. It's another simple way. Everybody got it? Wave them at me. Oh good, a few of you have got them. If you haven't got one, there's more at the information desk on your way out. Take hold of it. Right now, who does God bring to your mind? Who is it in your life that needs to know Jesus? Who needs to have a relationship with Him? Who needs to change the story, the trajectory of their life? Who is it? What's the name God is putting on your heart? I'm just going to pray for them right now. And as I pray... Hold on to that name. Pray for them. Pray that God would fill you with the courage to invite them along to Alpha. God, I thank you. I thank you that none are too far from you, that you long to bring people into relationship with you, to satisfy the longing, the spiritual longing in their heart for relationship with you. God, we lift these people before you. And we declare that they are yours and that you love them and that they too are fearfully and wonderfully made. God, I pray that you would give each and every one of us the courage to invite them to Alpha. 
God, that we would see their lives transformed miraculously. God, that they would step into a different story, a better story that you're inviting them to. Give us the courage, God. And as we have the courage, would we see those that we love, that we walk alongside, say yes, and get to do this incredible journey of faith with them. God, I pray that even now you'd be opening our friends' hearts and minds with a willingness to start exploring, a willingness to say yes and to come along. Fill us with courage, God, as we go into this week that we would invite those in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.